Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Fans, and if you're a Philadelphia sports fan, it's a big Tuesday, Tones of Shields, because the Phillies start the NLCS today. Once again, my name is Jeff Kerr, host of Good Morning NFC East. And I got my man, Tones of Shields. He's repping the Sixers today. I love that because the Sixers start tonight, too. I probably should have worn my Sixers hat with you, Tone. I don't know why I'm saying <laughs> Hey, listen, man, Philly sports is on cloud nine right now. Uh, Phillies are doing great. You know they have to keep the momentum. That's going to be the that's going to be the tough part. You know they have their work cut out. They have their work cut off for them. But I think the pie. I think I think with the Phillies, and I know this is a, a football show, right? But really quickly, I think the Phillies are starting to get the uh, the luck of the matchups. I think I would prefer the Phillies going up against the Padres rather than the Dodgers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would I would have preferred you know them going up against um, Louisville rather than. Uh, who was it, the Mets early on or the or the Braves? Well, whatever it was, their matchups have been working out for them, in a, you know, throughout this playoff process. Well, yeah, it feels like 2008 in a sense, right? You know, you knew the Red Sox were the better team in the World Series, but you didn't get them. You got the Rays, and it's like, oh, okay, like like this might happen now. Yeah, it, 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 you're right, Tone. It's, it's almost like in the football playoffs. Like, you know, it, we're going to be like this probably in two months with the Eagles. It's like, it's okay. Which team do you want the Eagles to face in the divisional round? You know, do you, do you want them to be, you want them to face the sevens, the the lowest seed possible, the seven seed, or do you, do you want the you just want to go chalk and have them play the four seed or the five seed? And we'll get into that. Uh, but I wanted to talk about one thing. And look, I I do this column every week for CBS Sports. You should read it. This is what happens when you cover the league. You have to watch every single game, or at least get, you know most of every single game. I will say that I right. usually watch. The hour, hour, 30 minutes. So I did that yesterday. I bunkered down after I finally got some sleep. <laughs> and what I did was I wrote one thing I learned about each team this past week. And we'll start with the Eagles here. This is what I learned about the Eagles. So they can beat you in so many different ways. And it's hard to find a new thing every single week. But I feel like that drive against the Cowboys, when it was 20 to 17, and you have a 13-play, 77-yard drive where Jalen Hurts goes down the field, three for three for 30 yards, 
gets two first downs with his legs, that's a back-breaking drive tone. Most definitely. And it kind of resembles uh, that final drive against the Arizona Cardinals. The only difference is they actually finished the deal with the touchdown. And Jalen Hurts has been touching on this, right? He's been touching on the fact that they've been leaving a lot of money on the table. They haven't been taking full advantage of every opportunity. They have still yet to play a, a complete game of football. You know, they still have, you know, those spots in the third quarter where they go flat and then they, you know, revive themselves. I think what they need to do in order to try to, I guess, keep momentum or just stay the course, lean more into the running game. A lot of running game to be your, your motivator or your driver going into the second half, especially if you have a lead. But just continue to do what you do best. I think what they end up doing is when they get a lead, sometimes they get a little too pass-happy. Sometimes they start games a little too pass-happy. And they don't lean into what they do best. And I think I think, I think, think they always come out of halftime out of rhythm, out of sync a little bit because maybe the play calling sequencing is a little off. But regardless of all that, though, you brought up a very good point. They are learning to win in so many different ways. And it's hard to win in the NFL. It's even harder to learn how to win because – it takes a village. It takes all 53 guys on the roster. It takes your entire coaching staff. And those in those unique moments where teams or coaches have to make those decisions, it could either be the challenge of play, like Mike, like Mike McCarthy didn't do, right? It's all about those moments. It's all about what do you do when this is the drive you have to have. And Jalen Hurts has come through in that. Nick Sirian has shown a propensity to remain even kill, even though he's a fiery guy. When it comes to his decision-making, it doesn't seem to uh, reflect how fiery he can be. You know, he's he's pretty he's he, he he's pretty uh, proactive instead of reactive. So, again, this coaching staff is doing a great job preparing these guys. Jalen Hurts is also doing an amazing job keeping his team focused on the task at hand. And they can beat you in so many different ways. You've seen it from top to bottom, from the beginning up until now. Doesn't it feel like the Eagles – and, again, we talked about this – before, when this show was in its infancy, before this, the show even started, and right. first three six five too, it's the Eagles want to be this passing team. I don't actually think they're as good as a running team this year as they were last year, but that's not a bad thing because they can still run the football. It's just I, I, it's we're not seeing the. I guess you could say the big runs. They're not averaging five and a half yards per carry like they were last year. So I think it's like 4.8 or something like that. It's still good. Like, they're still a top five rushing offense. They can beat you any time running the football. But doesn't it feel like they're they're not as efficient as a running team? Or No, efficiency is not the right word. They're not as good, but they're still efficient. You know, when you put it, when you put it in that perspective, right, Five and a half yards per carry is absurd when you think about it. <laughs> Maybe we were just spoiled by, you know, that, you know, that rushing output last year. And granted, you know, the circumstances were very different. You know, now we're, now we're sort of running with intentionality uh, to set up the pass. And, you know, there's, you know, you know, uh, there's the, the play calling is improved. I think last year, you know, we struggled with passing the ball and they had, they had to lean so far into the running game. They had to make sure it was the best thing they did. They, it had to work, you know, this year they can afford, a, a, you know, a bad driver to run on the ball and then, you know, get back to the passing game. It's I'm, I'm, I'm not too, I'm not too stressed about it because they're still averaging over four and a half yards per carry. Like I said, five, averaging over five yards per carry uh, for a season. We run the ball is absurd. So 
I think we were just spoiled from there last year, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Tony. I, so, since I had to do every team, let's go to the Giants now. Um, right. Five and one. Again, still amazed that they are five and one. They already got more wins than last year. But this is what I learned. And is this a hot take? I'm not a hot take guy, but you have to consider this here. And keep in mind the Eagles are in this division. Yeah, alone the entire NFL. The Giants might have the best coaching staff in the NFL, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Brian Dable, he's the innovator. He's the guy keeping everybody afoot. Mike Kafka, again, unproven, but he's a creative play caller. They're getting the most out of what they have. And Wink Martindale was already one of the best defensive coaches in the league, and you see what he's doing with that defense. And I'm just going by those three, uh, you know, top three. If you had to rank, like, your offense coordinator, your defensive coordinator, and your head coach, I mean, the proof's in the pudding, too. The Giants are 5-1. and one. They, they still have Daniel Jones. They still have the bad offensive line. Yes, Saquon Barkley's healthy, but they got no wide receivers. They got no cornerbacks. They got so many issues, but yet they're beating teams every single week and they're finding ways to do it. Yeah, the Giants are interesting because you clearly you clearly see there's a limit to their style of football. You know, you, you clearly see that it has a, it has a, it has a, a limitation, it has a cap. But what they've been doing is they've been having to give every team they've played their best shot. And they've been having to outsmart, outcoach, outmaneuver the opponent. They've had to be more opportunistic than the opponent. They're not really winning these games based off talent. They're winning these games based off of high-level coaching, high-level decision-making, and sticking to who they are and living by the sword. You know what I mean? They know who they are. They're sticking to it. And... I respect the team that knows who they are more than a team that continues to try to do things they know they're not really capable of. The Chicago Bears, they stick they continue to have Justin Fields dropping back like he's paying Manny or something, or that they're not scheming for his skill set. They haven't created anything for his skill set. The Eagles, on the other hand, Giants, on the other hand, they've created schemes. They've created an offensive identity that's centered around their top-tier talent, centered around their quarterbacks for the most part. Dayball's not putting – Daniel Jones have compromising positions. You know, he's not asking he's not asking Daniel Jones to throw the ball 40 times, 30 plus times a game. No. They're leaning on the running game. They're playing good defense. And Daniel Jones is being asked to make a good throw here and there. Yeah, and they're relying on other teams to make mistakes too. Like Green Bay made a ton they had a ton of mistakes two weeks ago. Baltimore. They're opportunistic. They're opportunistic. You can you that's the that's a great brand football to play, being opportunistic. Yeah, it's smart by that. So yeah, I mean, when you look at why the Giants are five and one, if you watch their games, you can see why. It, it, it's like, like you said, Tone. They're very opportunistic. They don't fold under pressure, and for a rookie head coach, that's impressive. Uh, now we gotta get into the Cowboys because the mm-hmm. Eagles did beat them Sunday night, and I kind of used Michael Parsons in this one when the, Michael Parsons faced a good offensive line. He wasn't Micah Parsons. He was. Mm-hmm. Average. Michael Parsons is not an average football player. He's a top three football player. But when he faced an actual challenge, he can be stopped. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And, you know, the the good thing about him is, or the good thing about his prospects this season is the fact that every team doesn't have Lane Johnson. So he's going to be able to feast on most 
offensive lines in this NFL. That's the thing. He's going to be able to do his thing for the most part. But when you go up against those stout offensive lines like the Philadelphia Eagles have, man, like they're going to go up against in Detroit. I understand Detroit's losing right now, but Detroit got embarrassed last week. Uh, they're coming off of a very, very, very bad stretch. And they have a pretty stout offensive line as well, one of the best. Um, they just had to put it together, and, and they, their defense has been bad. But, you know, the Cowboys, you know, like you said, you saw Michael Parsons become a non-factor. See, what they did was they had Michael Parsons – they forced Michael Parsons to make a decision on every single play. He couldn't just pin his ears back and, and, do, and do his job. He was forced to think two, two, three, maybe four extra times. You know, they put him they put him in situations where whatever decision he made, they took advantage of. And then you saw when Lane Johnson went down, they took advantage of Jack Driscoll. And I can't get mad at Jack Driscoll. He did the best he could. But the Cowboys, they – I still think they're a good team. I think I, I still think they're a good team. But they're another team that I feel that – I think their defense is better than their offense. I, I I don't think Dak Prescott will never be 100% this season. And I think as the season goes on, even after he comes back, I think I think he's going to have limitations on the throws that he can make. I just think that defense still is going to be their driving force. If the Cowboys are smart, they're going to continue the same game plan as it was with Cooper Rush. This was the similar game plan when Dak got in, his, in Dak's first year, right? Lean on the running game, play good defense, and ask your quarterback to – the ball 25 to 30 times. What upset me was, and, and and again, Eagles fans, they probably will not agree with me on this, but apparently they got mad at Collinsworth uh, on Sunday night salving over Parsons saying he could play this, he could play defensive end, he could play linebacker, he could play cornerback. They're like, well, no, that's not true. I'm like, yes, it is, because Penn State fan, know Mike Parsons well. Yes, he can. He's done it. He can do that in the NFL. He would have been better off playing linebacker Sunday night than he would have been rushing the passer. And that's where the Eagles were able to Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni were able to outsmart Dan Quinn. You're right. It's You had him guessing. It's like, okay, you can't tee off. And he tees off best when the Cowboys are up. Well, the Cowboys were never up in that game. So he's got to be more, I, I should say, less aggressive. And – I'm not going to hard. It's kind of hard, Jeff, right? It's, yeah, yeah you know, it is. You're asking him to change his his basic instincts, you know, his, you know, the the root of his his his, his play style, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he can do it, but I wanted to get into Jack Driscoll, too. He only had three pressures when Lane Johnson left. You know, only one went to Driscoll? Really? Because, yeah. I, cause, you know, it's funny because I saw a stat, you know, there was a portion of that game where, you know, he had no pressures. Like there was a there was a there was a long stretch where he had no pressures on Jalen Hurts. No, nothing. His on the sack on Jalen Hurts in the third quarter. Yeah, that was when he got his pressure on Driscoll, but he didn't finish there. I mean, that was really his biggest impact in that game outside of the whole penalty. Him and Trayvon Diggs did more penalty wise than they actually did on the field. And you gotta give credit to the Eagles for that. And I think Dallas has to find a way to counter that, but if I'm the Cowboys, too, I'm probably just chalking it up and saying, you know what, they're a good football team. You know, we'll get off the snide against Detroit, Chicago, who they got coming up. So that's the Cowboys there. Yeah, real, real quickly, you brought up a good point about how the Eagles attacked their defense. The game plan clearly was to neutralize their best players on defense, and it worked. Trevon Diggs had a pretty quiet night. 
and Michael Parsons, same thing. A pretty, a pretty quiet night. He had some pass deflections here and there. You know, he had he had these flashes because, of course, he's a good player. Players like that, you don't stop them. You kind of redirect them. You know what I mean? So, Trevor Diggs, same thing. He was sort of redirected. I liked how Nick Sirianni and those guys put their put their skill position players in positions to take advantage of the weak points of their defense. You had so many people talking about, well, AJ Brown. You know, he didn't. You know, he didn't cook Trevon Diggs. That's not the point. The bottom line is. The off the offensive play callers took advantage of your best players, neutralized them, and, put, and left them in no man's land where they couldn't impact the ball, where they couldn't impact the play. So, you know, I just want I just want to squeeze that in, man. I, I, I'm just so I was so, so so fascinated by the way uh, Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni were calling plays and the way they were just being able to get these guys in space. Yeah, and you know what? You're right too. And and, and again, the Eagles were built. To beat this football team. If you look at the way they constructed that roster, James Bradbury, Hassan Reddick, uh, uh, AJ Brown, they were built to beat the Cowboys. I mean, it all came to head Sunday night. They were built to beat that team. I I wanted to get into this too before uh, we hit break. Washington's one thing I learned they're going to see if their offense is actually better now with Carson, without Carson Wentz actually benching him because. Wentz had the finger injury. He's seeing a specialist. He's out minimum four weeks, so you're not going to see him week 11 against Philadelphia. He's not going to have the, the return to Lincoln Financial Field. They're going to see what they He's got. He's lucky. Today. He is lucky. <laughs> he, really is. he really is. Or unlucky. Well, unlucky for him because he always gets hurt. But, yeah, you're right. Overall, he is, I guess, lucky. But now they're going to see if, if it's actually a Wentz problem or if it's an offensive problem. I still think it's an offensive problem, too. Their offensive line ain't that good. But they're going to find out now, through a fair evaluation with Taylor Heineke, if it's more than Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, Taylor Heineke definitely knows how to run his offense. But if the offensive line is lackluster, it doesn't matter who you have back there, right? It begins and ends there. So if they can't block, you know, it's you're never going to really be able to see if this offense is the problem because they won't be able to block. Um, but what you will be able to see is you'll be able to see if the offensive line is the direct issue. You know, if the offensive line, you know, plays a fair game, maybe gives up maybe two or three sacks, maybe maybe four, okay, you should still be able to, you know, weather through that. You know, I think the problem with Carson Wentz was the fact that the moment you got hands and feet on him, he started seeing ghosts no matter what. You know what I mean? Like they're like every offensive line is not the Philadelphia Eagles, right? You know, you have some offensive lines that are better in in, in run blocking versus pass pro and vice versa. So it's important for this offensive line to be put in positions where they can succeed. Have the Washington Commanders offensive line been put in the best possible positions to succeed? I don't think so. Because they had a quarterback that likes to hold the ball for four or five seconds and a lifetime. Because their, their running backs haven't really been able to get off. You know what I mean? So it's it's a combination of things going over there, but you brought up a very good point. Is it Carson Wentz or is it simply just a bad team? And I'm I, I'm, I'm still pretty indifferent about that. Uh, I am too. And now you got Brian Robinson back. He made a significant impact Thursday night. Jahan Dawson's been pretty good for them. Uh, you still have Terry McLaurin. You still have Curtis Samuel. Uh, Man, and I feel bad for Terry. I feel bad for Terry. Yeah, so they're they're an interesting team. I'm just going to say that. It's going to be an interesting four to six weeks with Washington. And, and look, they're still in it. They're not in the NFC East race, but they're still in the playoff race here at two and four. Right. 
So yeah, uh, we got Ryan in yet. Uh, Ryan hasn't gotten here yet. Um, but but he did he he did get my email, so he should uh, he should be on his way uh, any minute. But you know, my, you know my final thoughts about the Commanders. They've they were thought to be maybe the second or third best team in this division before the season started. You know, everyone was saying Carson Wentz. I mean, not Carson Wentz, but Jalen Hurts is probably probably the third best quarterback in this division. You know, they were saying Carson Wentz is going to is going to go crazy with these weapons. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. You know, everyone was saying that. You know, the Cowboys will be the team to beat, which they are because they they led they they were the king to the division. I think I think as of right now, the Eagles are clearly the better the better team in the division. And like you said earlier, they had to beat Dallas. That's 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 what they needed to do. And you know, I think the NFC East is in a very good position in the long term. Um so far the coaching seems to be pretty pretty good, you know, in three out in three out of the four teams. Um offensive line play is starting to um starting to become a regular a regular occurrence. Good offensive line play is starting to be a regular occurrence. You know, the Giants offensive line is starting to step up a little more. Cowboys offensive line is, you know, standing, standing pat, even though they had some injuries over there. Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is doing what the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line always does. So, you know, this is, you know, this is a good year for the NFC East. And ultimately, you know, we're going to see how this thing pans out in the long term. I do think the Giants taper off. I think they, I think they will start to plateau in a bit. Um, I think the Cowboys, we still have yet to see how, what they look like in, in you know, in tip top shape. Again, I think Dak is still going to have limitations. And then this Philadelphia Eagles team, man, they have yet to play their best game of football, in my opinion. I feel like I feel like we've yet to see that game where we say, you know what, top to bottom, they were, they 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 did it all. They checked every box, you know. But you know, different games call for different results and you know uh, different um pre prerequisites. So, I mean, I'm really excited for what this Eagles team is going to do, and there's so much more to discuss. Yeah, exactly, and. Eagles fans, buckle up. We're not going to get that much Eagles football over the next couple weeks here, if you think about it. So you got the bye this week, right? And you got Pittsburgh. And you got Houston four days later. And you got 11 days until they play Washington. So really, you're getting two two games in a stretch of like five days, and then that's it, pretty much. It's almost like you get a reprieve from the Eagles. It, it's like, okay, the first half of the season's over. You got you got that stretch. Now you got six hundred. Then you got this like middle part here. You know, and everybody's expecting for the Eagles to go two and zero in that stretch, and then you got the meat of the schedule: Washington, Indianapolis. I, I look, I'm, I'm at Washington there because that is the start of that meat of the schedule: Washington, Indianapolis, Green Bay, Tennessee, the Giants, the Bears, the Cowboys, the Saints, the Giants. I mean, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty favorable stretch of games for sure, my man. Most definitely, yeah. but we we'll got see. our guy Ryan Rothstein. Um, backstage, we're going to hop on. So, you know, let's hit this break. You guys are locked in on Good Morning NFC East. He's Jeff Kerr. I'm your guy, Tone the Sosa Second. Keep it locked, you guys. Stay tuned.
the greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Faces you know, the team you trust. The Delaware Valley's leading news program, Action News. Go for the beers, go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens. Go for the gallery, go for the win. Go to Ocean. to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Folks, we got our man Ryan Rothstein from Sports Radio WIP in the house. You can also see him signs on the Sport Dash with Mike Gill, mutual friend of ours. Ryan, how's it going, my man? Jeff, thanks for having me. How you been? Ah, you know what? I, I can't complain. Honestly, my two favorite teams are playing tonight. Uh, Sixers start up. Uh, obviously, I got my Phillies pee on. So yeah, I'm ready to go, man. It, it's October and the Phillies are still playing. Gotta love it. What what's more surprising, Phillies are still playing, uh, or the Eagles are undefeated? You know what? Probably the Eagles being undefeated. If if I'm going to be honest, I, I mean, really? I, I, I know the Phillies still playing is kind of a shocker because I didn't expect them to go this far. But it is hard to go six and zero in the National Football League, especially in yeah. where everybody seems to have a slip up, and the Eagles just haven't had it yet. 
Yeah, it's a good point. Um, at, my goodness, I, I would probably say the Phillies, but you know, you make the good point of it's so tough in the National Football League, right? And we, we've we've sort of seen this song and dance in Major League Baseball. I mean, you can argue we've seen it almost every year, where you say, oh, "How the heck did this wild card team get you know even past the first round uh, or end up winning it all?" So it's certainly more common. But man, in Philly right now, things are good, Jeff. Things are good. Things are really good. And I actually had a fan ask me about this um, or, or earlier here. If anybody knows that T.J. Watt's going to be playing. Uh, I believe Dev was the one who asked me that. Uh, when the Eagles played Steelers, and yeah, I'm assuming he's going to be back because he was out six to eight weeks. All of a sudden, this Pittsburgh game, and maybe we're just overthinking it here, but it's going to be a little tougher now j- just because Pittsburgh seems to have a pulse. Yeah, I, I – um... I, I don't know what you make of of the Pittsburgh Steelers and and Kenny Pickett, um, but I, I said going into this past weekend, going into Sunday just a couple of days ago, that you know the, the Steelers' offense through six quarters with Kenny Pick uh, with Kenny Pickett actually looked pretty decent. Uh, and and Mike Tomlin, if there's one coach uh, on planet Earth that can squeeze every drop out of a team that you may think can only win six seven games and squeeze nine, 10 wins out of them, or, you know, even just a playoff berth out of them, however that may look record-wise, it's it's Mike Tomlin. So, like, the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the, the talk and narrative, I know there's a quarterback, quote, controversy or battle or, or just ugliness, um, you know, up, up in Pittsburgh, but I'm never going to look at that organization and say, you know, they're a joke, right, <laughs> especially in September or, or through mid-October. Uh, so I won't be surprised at all if, if they – Sort of turn things around, at least how, how some were deeming them to be. Yeah. And, you know, here's another franchise that I would just make fun of for years and years and years. I know you used to do on WIP, the New York Giants. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they were an absolute laughing stock with Dave Gellman, with Pat Shermer, with Joe Judge, especially. And now I, I actually kind of love how they are winning without the, this genius GM and this genius head coach. It's Brian Dable doesn't think he's a genius. Uh, Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale, they don't think they're geniuses. The, uh, Joe Shen, the, the GM, does not think he's a genius. It's, hey, we're going to work with what we got, and we're going to do the best we can. And this is what they're doing right now. And they're 5-1, and one, and they're beating a lot of teams they just probably shouldn't even be in the same ballpark with. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you give a, a good point of – the the team sort of checking their ego at the door, right? And they, they've just simplified things, right? You, you look at what they're doing with the run game, particularly with Saquon Barkley. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say Saquon Barkley is is air quote back, um, but you know he he looks he looks pretty damn good. And w- when you have a coach and and an offensive identity and game plan that sort of just says hey, let, let's let's just calm down, let's simplify everything. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna run. You know, multiple tight end sets. We're just going to run, uh, you know, run the ball. We're going to do some play action. We're going to do some bootleg, and and we're just going to simplify things for both the quarterback, for our offense, for our running back, and everything else. You know, now all of a sudden they're they're a team that dare we say has some has some discipline uh, as, as they sort of go back to basics here. So you know, they're a team. I don't think they're a dangerous team, but they're not a team that's uh, I, I think. Uh, easy to beat anymore, uh, as as weird as that sounds, because I, I certainly enjoy making fun of them. 
Do we think they're a playoff team? I, I'm starting to be convinced here after watching all these NFC games. I'm like, you know what? I think the Giants might do it. I think they might sneak into the playoffs now. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about it uh, throughout the, the course of the past six, seven weeks uh, you know, with, with the NFL season, the parody. I mean, we, we, we talk about that every single year, especially in recent years, it feels like, Jeff, uh, but especially this season. Right? I mean, the Eagles are, are sort of number one by default right now, and, and rightfully so. They've earned every, every drop of that right now being undefeated. You know, but, you know, outside of the birds here and, and of course, Buffalo and, you know, a few other teams, who the heck are, are we looking at saying, yeah, they're, they're absolutely 100 percent. All right. Nothing's 100 percent. But you get my point here. Uh, the, the parody from top to bottom in the NFL is is crazy right now. So I don't think there's any team uh, outside of maybe one or two that you can look at and say, no, nah, there's there's no way in hell that they're going to make the postseason this year. Yeah, and one of the teams I think that could take that step, and this is what's so frustrating right now with them, is the Denver Broncos. Their, their defense is probably a top three unit in the league. All they do is stop teams. Like Justin Herbert didn't even have a passing touchdown last night. They lose. Why? Because the Daniel Hackett is a joke, and Russell Wilson is just as bad. And Russell, I, I thought Russ was cooking that first quarter. I'm thinking, oh, man, here, here we go. He's got 11 days off. He might be back. He might be healthy. And then all of a sudden, three for 11, 15 yards, can't get a first down in overtime. Just absolutely embarrassing. If Russell Wilson was Carson Wentz level, this this team would be 4-2 and two right now. What the hell happened to, to Russ? Right. I mean, he ain't cooking. No, I don't know if he can make a bowl of cereal. I, I, I don't know what happened to Russell Wilson, Jeff. I mean, it's it's so it's so embarrassing uh, with, with what happened to this dude. I, I'm not saying he's gone forever and he can't turn it around, but I, I, I don't know what what it is. I mean, I, I don't know if you can speak to any of it uh, as far as what we've seen with him, but it's been it's been embarrassing. And I'm just thankful that Howie Roseman, because we all remember the debates throughout the summer uh, with the quarterbacks that were out there. My goodness, you look at the the game plan that Howie, and of course you have to give Jeffrey Lurie some credit, uh, the, the game plan that they followed through with with that blueprint. I'm just thankful they didn't go the route of of backing the Brinks truck up once again for a quarterback uh, you know, in, in Russell Wilson. If Eagles fans had their way in March, this team would have Russell Wilson and Allen Robson on there. I don't think my skin could take that that type of – I'm not even going to call it mediocrity. It, I, I don't even know what word to, to use for the Eagles have Russell Wilson and Allen Robson right now. I, I, I'd be beyond frustrated. I'll tell you what, they had those two, they'd be three and three at the very least. And that's with a town team. <laughs> yeah, and you, you may be – you may be, uh, you know, being a, a little bit generous with, with that three and three record. Yeah, because uh, Wilson's been look—he's been terrible. He's been absolutely terrible. Like everybody wants to get on Carson Wentz and what he's doing. Like, dude, watch Denver. Just watch the Denver. Bro- and it, it, it's kind of funny because Seahawks fans are are loving this because they knew Russ wanted out, and they get Geno Smith, and everybody's laughing at oh, Geno Smith. Geno Smith's one of the best quarterbacks in football, right? Dude, it's listen. I'm a, I'm a West Virginia guy, all right. And and earlier in the earlier in the year, I was making fun of Geno Smith. Okay, so that that's telling you something. I wasn't the guy. I'm not going to sit here and say I was defending quote my guy. I, I was looking at Seattle like, how the heck are you rolling out Geno Smith and feeling good about it? But 
Um, they clearly saw some things that that I haven't seen uh, from Geno Smith back to his college days, and even in his early NFL days. But yeah, I, I mean, right now I would take I would take freaking Geno Smith over Russell Wilson. I believe it was Tom Kelly I said it to, and this was right before the season we were doing the NFL preview. I was on uh, his show on WIP, and he said, "What team do you think could surprise you this year?" I'm like, "You know what? Give me Seattle." He goes, "Really?" And he said, "Why is that?" I'm like. You know, Geno Smith had like 106 passer rating in the games Russell Wilson was out. And it was like a four-game sample size here. And he goes, you know what? You might be on to something. Okay. And I, I, I joked. I said, yes, I win three games. I win six or something like that. Well, they're halfway there now. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I, and I also think that goes back to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago, which is the the parity in the league and, and, and week to week truly – um, you know, and any team can beat can beat another. What do you make of this Cowboys team? It's a good question. Um, I, I I don't really know. I mean, I do know, right? Like, let, let's look at Dallas right now. I mean, you look at them defensively, and and they're they're an elite defense, right? And and yes, the Philadelphia Eagles sort of embarrassed them a little bit and put that that notion to to bed. But you still saw it. Like, you still saw glimpses. I think of what Dallas is is capable of doing and just the reality of them being a, a, a top defense in this league. And they still have a strong rushing attack, a ground attack. Um, I, I think they're a contender in, in this division. I, I, I really do. Right. Like it's, it's, it's nice that the Eagles got the win on prime time, especially after last season, you look at what the Eagles did. Uh, I should say did not do against that Dallas Cowboys team. So great win on Sunday night. Uh, the Eagles are for real. It's going to be a tall task for the Dallas Cowboys um, I, I think to to overtake the throne that is the Philadelphia Eagles throne right now. But you know, it, it's painful to say in in our in our territory here, Jeff. But I, I I still think Dallas is very much so a playoff team and a contender uh, in, in this NFC East. I think it's going to come down to uh, the final couple of games. And, and I agree. I, I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I took a couple jabs at. I guess you could say Cowboys media. And I ain't go after him specifically, but I saw the smug quotes about, oh, we had a backup quarterback. Oh, all of a sudden, Cooper Rush is backup now. All of a sudden. There was quarterback controversy a couple days ago. Now, all of a sudden, he's a backup. So I said, you know what? Eagles fans don't want to hear that because they want a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Yep. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to hear it. They, like, you were praising this guy. You were saying he'd be the starter over Dak Prescott. M maybe not the writers, but... Some fans were, or they're more efficient with them. Well, I, I look, I don't think Dallas beats the Eagles Sunday night with Dak Prescott quarterback, but I do think that they're more of a threat with Dak Prescott. It's I, I think they can win a playoff game or two if Dak Prescott is in there with that defense. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, and, and you bring up Dak and, you know, I'll do the Cowboys win if he's in. It's like, shut up, right? Like, I'm not telling you to shut up, but you, you see that on Twitter. Right, like particularly from Cowboys fans. Well, if Dak was in, it's like, oh, okay. Can I borrow your crystal ball? Um, because mine's in the shop. I, I would love to use your crystal ball. I mean, it's just, just stop it. All right, I, it, it's the Eagles. The Eagles got that win deservingly. I think if Dak was in or if he wasn't in, it it doesn't matter. Um, but nonetheless, it's it's going to come down to I think their second matchup between the Eagles and the Cowboys, and it just could quite down could quite literally come down to the last week of the regular season to see who wins this NFC East. 
Ryan, did you see the little brother comments by some people in Dallas media how Nick Sirianni plays little brother to the Cowboys' big brother? Like, he feeds it. Well, you know, for a guy who doesn't care about the Cowboys, he sure makes a big deal about beating them. It's a little brother syndrome. Like, the Eagles haven't been your little brother in 27 years. Like, the majority of our lifetimes, the Dallas Cowboys have been essentially irrelevant. They have, they have quite literally been irrelevant uh, my, my entire lifetime. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 32. <laughs> this this Cowboys franchise has been a joke, right? Like America's team, get, give me a freaking break. Um, little brother, little brother. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to say right now that I can't. So, uh, But, yeah, they're, they are not the Cowboys' little brother. It, it's just not the case. You look at the Eagles' success over the past, you know, two decades. Uh, and and stack that resume up next to the Cowboys, and I think the the little brother in that situation is is down in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, and there's definitely an inferiority complex now. I I know Cowboys fans are feeling it because I don't know. Like last year, Eagles fans took their lumps. They knew they weren't as good as the Cowboys, and I said uh, I think the Cowboys are a good team, and I said straight up I don't think they could beat anybody good. They were they definitely have little brother syndrome. It was yeah. or you know they beat up on the bad teams, but. But then when the bigger bully comes along, all of a sudden they're not as good. And now it's – I actually think they can beat the good teams. It's just they lost to a really good team in Philadelphia. Like, I think if Dallas plays San Francisco now, if, like, you would just line them up straight up, say this is the playoff game, loser goes home, I think Dallas would beat them. Really? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I can't go that far. Like, they can beat them. But back to us joking about the little brother syndrome, and and in all seriousness, when the lights turn on for this Dallas Cowboys team, they haven't gotten it done, right? And and I look at a team in a franchise like San Francisco, and that's the team uh, w- with a strong coaching staff and a quarterback now in, in Garoppolo that's been there, done that. Say what you want about him, um, I. I don't know if I could go and, and predict that, but I, I, I get what you're saying, right? I, I do think Dallas is capable of finally winning possibly a, a playoff game or two. I'm just never going to predict it because it just seems like tradition continues to repeat itself with, with the Dallas Cowboys. It's true. And same with Washington, right? I, I feel like Washington, although they're, they're not as cocky about it, it it's I, I think they want Daniel Snyder out in the worst possible way. Uh, definitely the fans do. It, it's, it's rough for them right now, like because I felt they'd be a decent team this year, and they, they're and they had holes, but they are really just overmasking the talent on this football team. Uh, Washington fans wanting Daniel Snyder out is an understatement, uh, <laughs> right? Like I, I I saw some stats, and I was just trying to pull them up. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to find this this email with the stats that I found a couple of days ago, but. It was basically, it was an article showing Washington's the stats as far as attendance uh, from 98 to where they're at today. Revenue in 98 to where they're at today, you know, relatable to, to the current market, all, all that good stuff. Um, it's bad, right? You look at this team, they were like fifth in attendance in 98. Daniel Snyder comes in in 99 for the Washington Commanders. You look at where they're at now. Uh, they're in like the bottom five to to eight in the league in attendance. You look at the stadium in 98, it seated 88,000. You look at the stadium now, they somehow like lost 20,000 seats. They're not even able to to fit as many fans in the stadium as they are today uh, in 98. 
like revenue has fallen. TV, local, regional viewership has taken a massive dip for Washington. Uh, so it's like it, it's a problem there. And, and I didn't even bring up all the allegations and the workplace nonsense and misconduct uh, that that has gone on there. So it, it's an absolute it's an absolute dumpster fire in Washington for the commanders. And we can joke about the product on the field, but then it's it's a serious issue. Uh, off of it as well. I, you can't take that team seriously. I always say as a college football fan, I remember when FedEx Field would host like a big college football game or two every single year, whether it was Penn State, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Someone would go there and play a big game early in the season, early in the season. They don't even want to touch FedEx Field anymore. It's it's literally that bad. Like, Washington, I think that is number one thing. If Daniel Snyder said we need a stadium in the worst way, I think that would be the only time I'd ever agree with that man. They do need a stadium to kind of get things rolling again. Desperately, right? I mean, we remember as Eagles fans what, what happened last year with the railing falling and Jalen sort of going and, and saving the day. I mean, yeah, it's funny. We can joke about how their stadium's a piece of crap, but that's also scary. Uh, so they they desperately need a, a makeover and probably just a, an entire new facility and an entire new stadium uh, to play in. They also need a new owner. I, I just don't know if that day will ever come. What are your, your thoughts been on Carson Wentz? I mean, uh, look, I, I'm going to say this. As, as much as I like to yell on the guy, I do give him a world of credit for playing through that finger injury. Like, it seemed like he broke that early and said, you know what? I don't care. I, I, I'm here for my team. I, I don't want that mindset like he like in Philadelphia. I remember that was the talk. Oh, did he quit on the Eagles when he got the concussion? And I, I think he tried to eliminate that, and it seemed like Washington, his teammates really respected the heck out of him for pretty much, hey, you know what? We don't care how bad you played. You went out there and you got done. Yeah, it's you always have to give Carson a little bit of credit as far as his his toughness. Uh, I think he's he's like a football player at, at heart. And what I mean by that is he's never afraid to take a hit. He's always going to figure out or try to find a way to play through some injury to a degree. But I, I look at him and I, I almost feel bad for him now in a sense. And it's just because I know what we witnessed in that 2017 season before he got hurt uh, against L.A. in what week 13 of that year. And, and you look at him now, and it's like, he's a guy that can make a play or two. He's also a guy that can lose you a game. Like, he's just a guy right now. Uh, he, he doesn't really scare me. And and now this team is going to be without him for, what, six to eight weeks, Jeff? And I, I'm curious to see what that offense looks like without him. Uh, because this could be the, the end of Carson Wentz, right? If this offense looks a little bit better or even just a model of consistency to the tune that we haven't seen with Carson Wentz as the starting quarterback. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ron Rivera keeps uh, Taylor Heineke in there, even when Carson is is healthy and, and available to play, depending on what this offense and what this team does throughout the stretch of time without Carson Wentz. So uh, I'm, I would keep an eye on that because right now he's just, he's just sort of been a dude. That, that's it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to point out, too. Like, Taylor Heineke, he's going to get a long evaluation. And Taylor Taylor Heineke is not the franchise quarterback in D.C. He's never going to be anymore. But no. you, can, you can get a sense of, okay, can we run the ball? Can we move the chains? Is it the offensive line? You can't mask the problems they have at linebacker and in the secondary. But if that offense goes from, say, 
19 a game to 25 a game, you have to seriously consider Taylor Heineke in there, especially if somehow, some way, when Carson Wentz is back, you're five and seven. And let's face it, you're not going, you're going to be in the playoff race of five and seven this year in the NFC. And you might have to stick with that guy. And absolutely. Absolutely. Right. If, if they go somehow four and two over a six game stretch, you know, whatever. I don't even think they need to go four and two quite, quite honestly, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm not rooting for, for or against Carson Wentz, but um, yeah, I, I don't see his, his career being a long and, and fruitful one as, as a starter for many years to come right now. What's been the pulse at WIP over the past I don't know, a couple weeks here. The, like the NC East is good. The Phillies are in the playoffs. The the Sixers are starting up. I mean, it, it's got to feel pretty good down at that station, right? It's a fun time. It's a fun time. I mean, just just how it is, you know, here with what you're doing every day and and on Jacob and same on WIP. Same for fans. What you know, whether it's it's what I do at WIP or whether you're you're just a fan of of the Philadelphia sports scene. I mean, this is this is as good of a time as ever right now to be a fan. And it's just, um, everyone's enjoying it. It's it, there's, there's a vibe, uh, when you walk in any building right now, especially in, in WIP. So I think everyone is just enjoying it, whether you're, you're a fan, whether you're a media member, whether you work on uh, WIP or whether you work on good morning NFC East, it's just, uh, it's a fun time to be behind a mic. It's a fun time to be at a, in a seat at the ballpark. It's a fun time to be at the link. As AJ Brown said, you have Meek Mill coming out there after the Phillies go to the NLCS. It's like, my goodness, Flyers start their season off two and Uh This is, this is about as good as it gets uh, outside of winning a championship, of course. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, AJ Brown was in a really good mood Sunday night. I was there for all 10 minutes of his interview, right in front of him. We're just talking about it. He goes, Dude, this is crazy. Like, like they couldn't believe it. Like they knew it was going to be loud Sunday night. I don't think they anticipated how loud it actually was in that stadium and how people were just feeding off the Phillies energy. And I, I love how this Eagles team absolutely embraces the culture of the city, the vibe of the city. It's like, look, we need you guys like all the time, like bring it, like bring the boost, bring the cheers. It, it, it's keeping us going here. Like it's not like they're fighting to be a center of attention. They know they're going to be, but I think they're loving how the other teams are playing as well because it's carrying over to their games. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely is. I think that's evident. I mean, you see Joel Embiid walking around uh, on Sunday night, and um, you know the fans are obviously fired up. Not that they need to be any more fired up for a Dallas Cowboys Sunday night game in Philadelphia at the Link, but after the Phillies advance to the NLCS, it's it's not going to hurt the vibe and atmosphere, uh, you know, throughout that throughout that stadium. So it's just been a blast. How will Philadelphia feel or how loud is it going to be if Liga Financial Field hosts the NFC Divisional Round and the Eagles are a number one seed? Because it does feel like this is possible right now. City may burn. <laughs> I thought it was going to burn already if, if Philadelphia swept this weekend. I know. I know. Um, it's, it's more than possible. It's, it's, it's something like that you just said that can, can certainly happen. So I, I'm ready for it. I think the city's ready for it. We're, we're ready for, for anything right now. Finally, who's the Eagles biggest challenger in the NFC? In the NFC? Um, it's a good question. I, I mean, 
I'm not going to go with Dallas, and, and I, I just don't believe that anyway. I would say Green Bay. I would say San Francisco. You think the Packers will figure it out then? Yeah, so, I do. Yeah. I, you, you don't have to believe that, all right? And, and I actually understand if you don't believe that or anyone out there doesn't believe that. But, you know, for, for me, it's just too early in the season. I'll bring up parity again. Uh, I, I, you, you can't rule out the, the two-time back-to-back MVP winner in, in AA run right now. Uh, for the Green Bay Packers. So I, I have to give them some credit. And San Francisco is just a, a fine-tuned, oiled machine there that I, I can't rule out as well. And I think they're always a, a tough out. I think Green Bay is going to be the team that makes the big splash at the deadline coming up in a couple of weeks. I think they're going to be the team that gets a playmaking receiver. Someone we probably don't even know yet. But look, they're, they're all in. They're all in. And I think they're going to do whatever they can to make their quarterback happy at this point. Yeah, because they they've certainly uh, made him a little bit unhappy in the past. So uh, they better pick up that phone before the trade deadline and, and put us put a, help put a smile on uh, Roger's face. All right, Ryan. Once again, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, love having you on. Good morning, NFC East. Uh, when can I find you next on WIP? Uh, yeah, coming up this week. So I, I was not on this past weekend. I had a wedding down in Florida, but um, I'm back in the in the Delaware Valley. So. Uh, Saturday and Sunday overnight. You can also just give me a follow on Twitter at Wiserye, W-I-S-E-R-Y-E. Uh, I'll keep everyone updated on upcoming shifts and everything I have going on. All right. Sounds great. Thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, Jeff. Anytime, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And look, we're going to put a bow on the show right now. Uh, give my tribute to Dre McDonald here. We got a couple minutes. And you know what? I, I, I kind of agree with Ryan. I think the Packers might be the Eagles' biggest um, – Right in the NFC, and I, I still think Dallas is going to be up there because they do a really good defense, and they are going to pummel the mediocrity that is offensive lines in the National Football League. At least in my opinion, you know the Eagles are a really good offensive line. They're built to beat the Cowboys. They, they are. The Eagles are just built to beat them. When you got AJ Brown, when you got Devonta Smith, AJ Brown counters Trayvon Diggs. Devonta Smith counters Anthony Brown. Then you got on the offensive side of the ball. Lane Johnson counters Micah Parsons. Uh, Jordan Malata counters Demarcus Lawrence and Darren Armstrong. Uh, the Eagles can run the football down their throats. Dallas isn't that great of a run defense. Um, look, J- Jalen Hurts is an ultimate weapon. He is. Uh, he he makes that defense honest. He's not a pocket quarterback like Joe Burrow, like Matthew Stafford, like Carson Wentz. That's why Dallas's defense has had a lot of success right now because they're facing poor offensive lines with pocket quarterbacks, and pocket quarterbacks can't escape, but Jalen Hurts can't escape. Jalen Hurts is the only quarterback in the entire NFL to have a 100-passer rating and two touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys this season. Both categories. He only need that one. He got both. That's an MVP-type performance, guys. Eagles got an MVP-type quarterback. They got a team that's built to beat the Cowboys. I know we're going to talk about this over the next couple weeks because it's the bye, but when the heck are they going to lose? I mean, they could lose to Pittsburgh because of T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt's probably going to be bad. Uh, but, and again, Pittsburgh's going to give him a good game because Mike Tomlin's a good coach. He finds a way to get the most out of his team, even when they look absolutely terrible. So that'll be a tough game. Houston should be chalk on Thursday night. Short week, I know. Thursday night football's crazy. Teams don't play well. But the Eagles should beat them. And you got Washington. 
Yeah, I think they should beat them too. I mean, they've been pretty good the first time, and we'll see how much of a difference Taylor Heineke makes in that team. Then you got that stretch. Indianapolis starting to come together a little bit. Starting to come together. Their problem is quarterback. They did that Sunday. Made a couple offensive line changes, put Dennis Kelly, our old friend Dennis Kelly, put him at left tackle. We split back to tackle. Move Matt Pryor, another one of our old buddies, Matt Pryor in the right guard. Seemed to work out well for him. Matt Ryan didn't get sacked. He didn't fumble. And you got Green Bay. You figure Green Bay's going to look a lot different in week 12, Thanksgiving week, than they are now. Then you got Tennessee, who always seems to play hard for Mike Vrabel. And they got Derrick Henry. But they don't really have much of a pass game. But still a good football team. I mean, they were 0-2 and now they're 3-2. So you got that going for you. You got... Then you got the Giants. So we'll see how the Giants are. The Eagles' second half schedule is tougher than many think. But it's nothing they can't handle because they're a really good football team. And this is a really good division. That's why I love talking about it with you guys. So good morning, NFC East. We got Birds 365 coming up next with Jerry McDonald and John McMullen. I'd like to thank Ryan Rothstein for coming on. I'd like to thank Tony DeShields, as always. My name is Jeff Kerr. Check out my work at cbsports.com. Have a good day, guys. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondly Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 